0: CHAPTER TWO OF THE HAND OF FU-MANCHU. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. THE HAND OF FU-MANCHU by Saxe Romer CHAPTER TWO. THE MAN WITH A LIMP Lock the door, said Smith significantly, as we stepped into the corridor. I did so, and had turned to join my friend when, to the accompaniment of a sort of hysterical muttering, a door further along and on the opposite side of the corridor was suddenly thrown open and a man whose face showed ghastly white in the light of the solitary lamp beyond literally hurled himself out he perceived smith and myself immediately throwing one glance back over his shoulder he came tottering forward to meet us my god i can't stand it any longer he babbled and threw himself upon smith who was foremost clutching pitifully at him for support come and see him sir for heaven's sake come in I know he's dying, and he's going mad. I never disobeyed an order in my life before, but I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Brace up! I cried, seizing him by the shoulders, as, still clutching at Nayland Smith, he turned his ghastly face to me. Who are you, and what's your trouble? I'm beaten, Sir Gregory Hale's man. Smith started visibly, and his gaunt, tanned face seemed to me to have grown perceptibly paler. "'Come on, Petrie,' he snapped. "'There's some devilry here.' Thrusting Beaton aside, he rushed in at the open door, upon which, as I followed him, I had time to note the number, 14A. It communicated with a suite of rooms almost identical with our own. The sitting-room was empty and in the utmost disorder, but from the direction of the principal bedroom came a most horrible mumbling and gurgling sound, a sound utterly indescribable. For one instant we hesitated at the threshold, hesitated to face the horror beyond. Then, almost side by side, we came into the bedroom. Only one of the two lamps was alight, that above the bed, and on the bed a man lay writhing. He was incredibly gaunt, so that the suit of tropical twill which he wore hung upon him in folds, showing, if such evidence were necessary, how terribly he was fallen away from his constitutional habit. He wore a beard of at least ten days' growth, which served to accentuate the cavitous hollowness of his face. His eyes seemed starting from their sockets as he lay upon his back uttering inarticulate sounds and plucking with skinny fingers at his lips. Smith bent forward, peering into the wasted face, and then started back with a suppressed cry. "'Merciful God, can it be hail!' he muttered. "'What does it mean? What does it mean?' i ran to the opposite side of the bed and placing my arms under the writhing man raised him and propped a pillow at his back he continued to babble rolling his eyes from side to side hideously then by degrees they seemed to become less glazed and a light of returning sanity entered them they became fixed and they were fixed upon nayland smith who bending over the bed was watching sir gregory hale for sir gregory i concluded this pitiable wreck to be with an expression upon his face compound of many emotions a glass of water i said catching the glance of the man beaton who stood trembling at the doorway spilling a liberal quantity upon the carpet beaton ultimately succeeded in conveying the glass to me hale never taking his gaze from smith gulped a little of the water and then thrust my hand away as i turned to place the tumbler upon a small table he resumed the wordless babbling and now with his index finger pointed to his mouth "'He has lost the power of speech,' whispered Smith. "'He was stricken dumb, gentlemen, ten minutes ago,' said Beaton in a trembling voice. "'He dropped off to sleep out there on the floor, and I brought him in here and laid him on the bed. "'When he woke up, he was like that.' "'The man on the bed ceased his incohate babbling, and now, gulping noisily, "'began to make quick nervous movements with his hands. "'He wants to write something,' said Smith in a low voice. "'Quick, hold him up.' He thrust his notebook open at a blank page before the man, whose movements were numbered, and placed a pencil in the shaking right hand. Faintly and unevenly, Sir Gregory commenced to write, whilst I supported him. Across the bent shoulder. Smith silently questioned me, and my reply was a negative shake of the head. The lamp from above the bed was swaying as if in a heavy draught. I remembered that it had been swaying as we entered. There was no fog in the room, but already from the bleak corridor outside it was entering, murky, yellow clouds steaming in at the open door. Save for the gulping of the dying man and the sobbing breaths of Beaton, there was no sound. Six irregular lines Sir Gregory Hale scrawled upon the page, then suddenly his body became a dead weight in my arms. Gently I laid him back upon the pillows, gently his finger from the notebook, and my head almost touching Smith's as we both craned forward over the page read, with great difficulty, the following. Guard my diary. Tibetan frontier. Key of India Beware, man, with the limp. Yellow rising. Watch, Tibet. The Sifan. From somewhere outside the room, whether above or below, I could not be sure, came a faint dragging sound, accompanied by a tap, tap, tap. End of chapter 2